I feel like I hear that every single time I record the podcast. It's like more or less Kesha when you ask someone to record the podcast at 12 o'clock you should be expecting this to happen where people are just like very chill and just going with whatever flow honestly not really because I'm kind of nocturnal um, for the past mm-hmm. I think two weeks I've been going to bed at 6.30am and mm-hmm. waking up at like 1 or 2 <laughs> which my family is actually really upset about and I've been trying to like mm-hmm. get under control but this actually works out perfectly for me this is like my midday so don't worry oh love that <laughs> uh, so like for me it's like uh, I'm sleeping around 4.35ish so mm-hmm. right almost there with you and mm-hmm. um, I wake up around I'd say, I'd say 11.30-12 But yeah, like I'm right there with you in terms of disappointing my family with my sleep pattern. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, anyway, uh, guys, I think uh, now that we've talked about something that's very, very relatable to everyone, which is a fucked up sleep schedule, to be honest, um, I present to you the next guest on the Absurd Window podcast. Um, she is someone who I've had multiple conversations with. Uh, with about philosophy and DIB uh, someone who I think has great insight and detail and thought and also someone who is a fellow UCSD website hater uh, Zoe Kothari how are you doing Zoe how's life um, I'm doing good it's pretty good it's very chill like I said I'm doing pretty much nothing I'm pretty much just awake because everything's quiet in the night so <laughs> yeah I'm doing good how are you All good, all good. Just sort of trying to make sense of what that stupid portal is and what all is making us do. Honestly, if I didn't want to be like in UI or UX before I mm-hmm. entered this whole college application thing, I think I would now. So Yeah, definitely. I mean, kudos to UCSD for that, but it's a yeah. horror show. <laughs> I mean, UCSD has their own way of inspiring people, I guess, because that website... to navigate it and to make sense of it is a task i swear <laughs> uh but <laughs> but yeah sort of i think that website is definitely something that you can't think too highly of and romanticize but what you <laughs> can romanticize is your own life and with that smooth as fuck transition <laughs> into our first topic um yeah i think one sort of thing that Uh, connects to both of us is other than UCSD is um, sort of our um, approach towards romanticizing the lives that we live mm-hmm. and um, um, not just sort of um, coming to like the realizations of it but may- maybe even like at times actively sort of trying to romanticize or like actively thinking about doing that mm-hmm. uh, I just want to sort of get to know your perspective on how that sort of romanticizing works in your life and uh, yeah just sort of your perspective on it yeah um, I mean so I think a big part of my whole thing about oh, romanticizing my life comes from that I take a lot of photos um, my friends kind of make fun of me because I take photos of everything <laughs> like mo- most things and like um i've been like i've been really into art since i was like four years old so this is kind of my humble way of saying when when i take a photo it typically looks good <laughs> i know i know how to make it look good and i know how to edit it later and sometimes the moment kind of looks better than necessarily was which you mm-hmm. know some people might not like but I 
often enjoy when I look back on stuff because I sort of look at like photos and videos as you know like documenting like most people do and Mm -hmm. I feel like if a situation was like a mix of like the good and the bad like unless you learn something really important from the bad which you'll probably remember anyway um why not focus on the good and try and find like some sort of beauty in that because Mm -hmm. if something I'm sorry there's like plain noises um (laughs) it's okay if um if something happened to you yesterday and it was like all right not the best but pretty okay but there was like maybe one element of it that was really good like if you met someone and you watched a really beautiful sunset together even if the conversation wasn't that great and if what you remember from that is just the sunset because of a photo or like art or anything um mm-hmm. you're probably gonna look back on it in a year when it's not in your immediate memory and be like oh hey that was a good day even if it wasn't that mm-hmm. great and like i don't really see the problem with doing that just because not everyone's privileged enough to have like everything go super smoothly in their life so what you can get why not go for it i don't know yeah yeah uh, just a side note to anyone who's listening to this so his instagram is <laughs> the most aesthetic uh feed i'll see the ever because really like the pictures are uh at times uh straight out of pinterest or something but yeah sort of uh sticking to romanticizing <laughs> lives i think i think um i definitely uh like get what you're saying because it's like in the moments that we choose to romanticize they are the ones that end up forming memories uh down the line or definitely things or highlights that we sort of remember from uh um our past like i know for a fact that whenever i go to an airport i like to sort of overdress a bit so that <laughs> like so that uh so it's like my airport moment and like you know i can i f- at least if not in reality and like if not in truth i can feel in my own sort of being that i am sort of having a main character moment i am the one who's being looked at and everything yeah. and like i am in like a crossword or a or some wh wells or some bookstore and i'm reading a book and someone finds me extremely attractive like that's like <laughs> okay that that's going to like almost a creepy level but um I think that sort of taking steps to um sort of going out of the way to you know live your life like a movie is mm-hmm. uh, is something that is something that really sort of adds some flair to the experiences that we have like um this is usually something that like hustlers and like grind and like motivating people do where they say that you know you should um live your life as if there's a documentary c- crew around you and they're filming you at all times and you don't want your documentary to show that you're being a lazy ass in your bed scrolling through Instagram <laughs> but like like uh, what like but I think what definitely like what some part of it that I do get is if I was to live my life um sort of thinking subconsciously that there's probably a documentary crew f- uh, filming me I would want them to note like a- an overdressed outfit to to an airport or um i don't know uh, going crazy over a sunset or yeah. or something of that sort so yeah definitely uh, yeah definitely that yeah i mean you know what you said about like the documentary crew i'm really sorry about the noise this is as quiet <laughs> as i could get it um but what you said about the documentary like 
I think some of my best friends at boarding school, I, I did the past two years of high school in boarding school in Italy. And I feel like my closest friends there would probably say that they did feel like someone was like following them with a the camera mm-hmm. and documenting their life, at least like the key moments, um, mm-hmm. like the key positive moments, of course. Um, just yeah, it would be very weird if you if someone's having an emotional yeah. breakdown and you stick a camera you, you in their get, face. You get what I mean. I mean, I think yeah, half yeah, of that no. Google form that I filled out for you is like about empathy and stuff. So, no. Um, <laughs> Definitely. But, I don't know, you were talking about my Instagram, thank you. And, mm-hmm. like, I think a good, like, 60% of it from the past two years is off my friends. In fact, um, one of my friends, when she had to... Um, send in a photo for her campus ID card. Oh no, it was actually her visa application. Um, mm-hmm. She asked me whether I had any of her because she doesn't take photos <laughs> of herself anymore. Just because I do and she likes mine better. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely get what you mean on that front and I sort of feel like I'm documenting my own life as well. And a big part yeah. of that is obviously the people who are the most important mm-hmm. to me, which is why I document them obviously um and then what you were saying about the airport i i remember you saying something about like a, i don't know if i should say this on your podcast um i remember <laughs> go you ahead saying, i i rule what goes on the actual podcast so if, um yeah. i remember you saying something about like the likelihood of like meeting your soulmate in an airport and that's why you dress mm-hmm. up really well and honestly like kudos to you that you can like go through a flight especially like you, do you know how long the flight is gonna be <laughs> to california okay um kudos to you if you can dress really well and be comfortable and stuff um i probably look my worst on a flight and in an airport mm. like the comfiest oldest clothes like that i don't want to wear at all on my vacation i can just like throw in the wash bag immediately <laughs> but I remember saying just like honestly if that's true and we are likely to meet our soulmate like in an airport I feel like I would look at my soulmate and literally walk (laughs) away because I wouldn't be able to take that chance and I wouldn't give up looking bad in an airport even for Mm -hmm. that so I I don't relate to you on that front but the other ones yeah yeah I think uh, (laughs) really uh, I mean the airport thing is a little extreme I feel at times because I mean um, I was coming back uh, from this sort of uh, boys gang trip that we had yes and I was (laughs) I was I was dressed in like linen white and black striped Mm -hmm. like uh, pants and like it did feel a little off considering everyone around me was dressed in like like sort of travel joggers and all of that but but i definitely think um when you're sipping your coffee and you are on your laptop or just sort of walking around it really um i don't know like it's something different Mm -hmm. just sort of uh reeling it back into um like our lives and sort of romanticizing them I think that um, at times when we choose to romanticize our lives, it helps us differentiate what what noise is and what music is in our lives. Like, I think um, like the other day I was having this conversation with someone wherein I woke up one day and the curtains were, were up and I could see the sun coming in and I saw that there was wind blowing outside mm-hmm. like some like just very gentle breeze and there was uh, like 
I think my mother was cooking in the kitchen or something, so I could hear her cooking, and uh, I could hear my dad's TV across my sort of through my wall and everything. So in that moment, I was just like, "This feels like home," because you know I can see the sun coming in, my family's there, I'm warm, I'm in my bed, everything's great. But like on another day, my brain could have just went, "Why is there sun coming in? I want to sleep." Why is there a breeze going out? It's probably a hot ass breeze. Mm-hmm. Why is mama cooking right now? I really need to go to bed and she's making a lot of noise and why is dad watching like news so early in the morning? So I think by sort of repeatedly romanticizing our lives you also sort of uh, tend to adopt this sort of mindset of looking at the positive end of it like you said um choosing to remember the positive moments um from like a general experience. and sort of um just uh, talking along those lines what do you think it does to someone's perspective on things or their mindset on things when you try to romanticize things intentionally yeah i mean i think there's definitely sort of two sides that coin just because mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. when you say romanticize your life there's a lot of unhealthy ways of doing that as well um mm-hmm. where you don't really come to terms with things so you sort of live in denial and i think that's pretty dangerous and if i don't know if you feel not you but if you feel like mm-hmm. um there's a chance that that might happen because of whatever your situation is i don't think it's worth it but um in terms of perspective like what you talked about with waking up in the morning and being you know before maybe you would be like oh why are they making noise and stuff which first of all it's probably 11am so i feel mm-hmm. like they have the <laughs> right to enough. make noise but um and then versus like now where you're like oh that's actually really beautiful and this is home i i think mm-hmm. i experienced exactly that in like almost the same situation when i came back to india from school in europe this year because i was sort of just hit by oh like so many parts of life here whether it's like the like the fruit wala on the street or like mm-hmm. um the sound of rain or even like the traffic like the traffic sounds not being in traffic but yeah stuff like that where these were all things that i was like yeah okay whatever i wish this was cleaner i wish this was more romantic i wish this was more like you know western movies when i was younger um mm-hmm. which there's a lot to unpack that but um <laughs> and i kind of had that perspective where i suddenly was really proud of where i was from and my culture and like not just culture in terms of or oh, like religion or like this god or like um you know diwali or stuff like that but culture mm-hmm. in the sense of like this is how we make a home and mm-hmm. i think that perspective was super important and it really made me appreciate being here a lot more because i started thinking about all the beautiful or as you would put it like aesthetic <laughs> parts of my life and not just visually and um though i am a visual person so it often comes out visually but those were all things that were kind of in the background like you said noise before because mm-hmm. i was just so focused on oh i wish i had this and i wish i had that and for a while i kind of did because i lived in a place that was very very different from here and those things were great 
but I realized sort of my <laughs> yeah. ignorance. So I think the perspective it gives you is definitely huge, and I kind of feel sorry for people who don't like who aren't creative enough or mm-hmm. I guess romantic or like poetic or whatever enough to realize that about their lives because you can make a kind of mess situation really really cool if you mm-hmm. romanticize it whether it's good whether it's bad i mean it's the reason why like tragic romances are so popular <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah definitely i think um i mean the sort of james bond movies and um how like watching them back to back to back has made me um, romanticize every single gunshot or you know that 5 seconds of a pause before you deliver a dialogue and uh, being extremely sort of mysterious and all of that mm-hmm. like definitely i relate to you in like that kind of way where um i think a james bond sentence uh, by like daniel craig or anyone who delivers it can be like can be a meh sentence mm-hmm. but just because you understand sort of the nuance that goes into delivering that when you mm-hmm. uh, romanticize things uh, that can definitely make it better and just sort of uh, going back to uh, when you said that romanticizing things at times can get um, you into trouble um, in mm-hmm. ways like um, i this may be like a contentious thing to say but um, i feel like at times uh, we end up glorifying or not glorifying but like romanticizing um uh, mental illness and how it is pr- uh, projected in the media that we consume um today so that is definitely uh, something that is on the more negative end of romanticizing things yeah, um like um an example of it would be how people would expect um depression or people would expect a certain um mental illness to look a certain way or for the person to act a certain way because that's just how it's been uh, not like romanticized um in sort of real life uh, in in media and in real life when these people are projecting their emotions they're different to what is in the media because they're not as transparent and they're not as um as um, observable but um yeah i just think that there are definitely two sides to it but um But yeah, I think the two sides to everything and uh, that shouldn't stop anyone from romanticizing their lives. So, the internet's not on our side today, guys, but um we were just moving into the second uh, topic of discussion which is interesting facts about Zoe. Now, I usually don't have this as like a different thing or like a different section for people because I feel like everyone has an interesting thing about themselves and it doesn't really make sense to have like an entirely different section but Zoe has been featured in a Vogue article and has given a TEDx talk so it was kind of hard for me to not justify all of that sort of interesting <laughs> content that's there to harness and yeah so just before I say anything because I feel like I can keep on blabbering uh, Zoe why don't you sort of uh tell us what the Vogue article was about what the TEDx talk was about just sort of okay yeah. yeah cool so um the TEDx talk i did it in april and it kind of actually links if this can be a transition um it kind of links <laughs> to the whole thing about like romanticizing your life because i kind of talked about um the role that art plays in like my life sort of philosophy 
um, mm-hmm. and about how I mean I'm kind of simultaneously like a creative and like mathematical person and like a left brain right brain yeah, combination yeah kind of I mean I guess we can like a da Vinci talk about this more after yeah I mean so my like my mom is an artist <laughs> and my dad is a computer scientist and entrepreneur so mm-hmm. I kind of have these two sides like one is very stem and one is very like arts and mm-hmm. like gray area versus one is like black and white so um I'm kind of like a mix of that but so what I was talking about in my TED talk was about how I sort of um I'm a very artsy person but I like to think of everything that happens to me in a mathematical way. So mm-hmm. um I don't think I'm really an optimist but I think of situations as either net positive, net negative or like very rarely neutral and mm-hmm. I don't think that you know uh we should attack everything with like a toxic positivity kind of approach because i don't think it's i like i don't feel like it's healthy and i don't feel like it's realistic and you're kind of just lying to yourself but mm-hmm. um even if everything doesn't happen for a reason you can kind of give everything a reason so mm-hmm. you can say that okay this sucked i wish this never happened um but on the bright side i learned this and this and this from that event and therefore it's kind of justified i don't know how much you know about um determinism but no i know absolutely nothing and 99% okay, so, of people who are listening to this know nothing okay i i did high level philosophy in um, the ib so <laughs> i feel like <laughs> i i come off as very like no dolly in terms of this but it's Just oh no go ahead go ahead to save my grade um so i did my ia about free will and essentially the question of whether humans have free will and um there's this professor who outlines like three um clauses to us when we think about that question that all seem true one is mm-hmm. that um agents sometimes act freely two is that events are um sort of caused by past events like our decisions mm-hmm. are caused by past events and the third one is that the first two theses are incompatible mm-hmm. right so we can't act freely if we're being influenced by past events and mm-hmm. there are sort of three answers to this question of whether we have free will and each of the three accepts two of these clauses and denies one So mm-hmm. the one that accepts the second and the third so that events are predetermined and therefore they cannot we cannot be radically free as humans is determinism. Mm-hmm. So it sort of says that oh, nice. there's only one path from the past through the present to the future. Um oh, nice. and it it's a very like sci- like determinism sort of cites like humanity's scientific worldview because we explain everything in terms of science and mm-hmm. like think about newton right we, like um action reaction or even like mm-hmm. the first law right that something will continue at, at the same velocity unless it's acted on by an external force um mm-hmm. it's all deterministic and mm-hmm. actually the only scientific counter to determinism is 
um, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle. Mm-hmm. Um, so the stuff like that. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I love I this. Saying, by the way, like the little <laughs> philosopher inside my brain is losing his shit right now because I know nothing, <laughs> but. I'm getting to learn so much, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 don't worry. Um, so I'm trying to remember why I started talking about this. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I was saying that I think that even if everything doesn't happen for a reason, we can give everything a reason, right? So if there's only one path from the past to the present to the future, or there's this one mathematician. Um, who Pierre something he's French um, Pierre something who who's Pierre something I think we'll um, run with it we'll run with it it's fine okay uh, anyway he <laughs> says that if there was like this all-knowing being who knew um, all the past and present positions movements and um, yeah just p- positions movements and forces acting on every object um that being would be able to predict the entire future and know exactly what was going to happen because mm-hmm. it's kind of like an isolated system right um mm-hmm. and human experience and free will fits into that we are one of those um like objects that uh allowing being good essentially lay out everything about like we don't actually have any um autonomy over our lives right so when you think about it like that that everything is happening to you that will influence who you are in the future and you think of things as like okay this is what happened this is my reaction and this is how i'm deciding it will shape me that's mm-hmm. kind of the most illusion of control Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we can actually convince ourselves of so that yeah. was kind of what the dead dog was about trying to um sort of operate by this equation like event plus reaction equals outcome and how to mm-hmm. think w- about that without being like toxically positive but at the same time being sort of enterprising with your mm-hmm. life i don't know that's what the dead yeah. dog was about sorry i talked about that for a really long time well, um, it's okay it's okay yeah the vogue article now. and yeah no the vogue article was um it was about young indian change makers to know in 2021 Oof. because it came Look out you go. In, yeah it came out in 2021 obviously and it was for some um anti-ableism work that i did online um so like this website that i created and stuff largely because um i so i I had a couple of injuries that then i had to do like physical therapy and stuff and it sort of shone a light on my privilege in the long term and in general um about being able-bodied and not having to deal with that on a regular basis in addition to like discrimination and stuff and I started to actually look at how, um, like, groups that I interacted with, especially in India, just because I was in India at the time, talked about disability. I did some research and actually published an academic paper about it, about how a lot of, like, historically, Hindus have thought about disability as karmic punishment. And, oh, if your child is born disabled, it's because you 
uh, did something wrong or that child did something wrong in a past life and because mm-hmm. of that there's like no empathy around mm-hmm. it at all because it's like oh well you deserve that which mm-hmm. is incredibly fucked up um mm-hmm. like especially because things that the way that people are justifying this mindset is not like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's not provable in any way so yeah, yeah. fine you can believe what you want as long as it doesn't hurt other people right so i did a lot of anti-ableism work because of that and vogue vogue featuring me was actually a huge surprise to me because i i made this website about this and um i sent a link to like a bunch of different like journalists and things like that like things i found mm-hmm. on like email addresses i found online from like friends or stuff like that and i was like okay you know what whatever and i a bunch of the emails bounced back just like oh this this address is no longer registered i was like okay whatever mm-hmm. i waited mm-hmm. like like i didn't actually wait i completely forgot about it and two months later i get this um email from this random guy, like random guy no credentials mm-hmm. nothing and um it's just a, a couple of different email addresses including mine just like hey can you share your photograph because we'd like to feature you in an article like no other information mm-hmm. at all the the domain of the address was vogue but i was mm-hmm. just like it's very likely that this is like a scam so i was like okay mm-hmm. i was thinking about it. i was like what do i do what if it's like real i don't know um and there was this photo that i'd already shared with the midday which is a newspaper here and um i was like you know what there's no harm in sharing this photo it's already online mm-hmm. sucks i didn't tell anyone about it i just sent it i was like whatever a month later i walk out of an ib mat um desk that went awfully it was like <laughs> i i As just got my math exams do Honestly, I had just gotten my COVID vaccine. I had a fever. I had not studied enough because of that. I I still okay had a fever, but I was like, you know that like Asian mentality, got to go to school, can't miss more than a day. Ha- like I have to do it. Um like this is what like this is my only commitment, education. So I went. It was shit. It was like I didn't stand a level. So it was like baby stuff to you. But in mm-hmm. my situation it was really bad and i walked out and i was just like shit like i don't know how i'm going to like i'm going to be like embarrassed to tell my parents to tell my friends whatever whatever because they've all in high level i switched out whatever mm-hmm. and i pull out my phone to like text my dad just like did not go well um and i just see this email from this guy just like with a link nothing else and i'm just like Okay, and I open it, and like the first picture is mine, mm-hmm. and like this little bio that I hadn't even written. Like it was from the original email that I'd pretty much forgotten about to like two hundred mm-hmm. people, and it definitely made that experience a lot better <laughs> because I kind of forgot about the test. <laughs> I was like, whatever, you know, I've I've done bigger things than like calculus. <laughs> like fuck that it's fine um <laughs> but yeah that's the story and 
following that i got a little bit more news coverage about it which really helped like bump the website activity up especially in india so it was i think at 115000 unique users in a couple of months which was really cool um so i was super grateful for that and i sort of put everything in perspective i was like you know what it's fine if school doesn't like always go exactly to plan because of factors out of my control i don't care i've done other things my name is somewhere it's fine i'm not going to be lost mm-hmm. in history so guys uh, to, to be honest uh, if you if you all could see my face right now my sort of my jaw sort of dropped and i was just like that is so 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 remarkable uh, because uh, i don't know like i just think that um, as someone who is extremely extremely in love with uh, public speaking and someone who is um, obsessed with uh, elements of journalism and sort of fame and uh, sort of i know it's not exactly fame but um um sort of doing meaningful work and everything like all of that just sort of coming together to manifest itself in such a real story is something that like really brings joy to me because i think that um if like if you're if you're doing this and you're doing this out in the real world then like maybe not to the same level uh, maybe not vogue maybe not terex but like i feel like you know i can reach a certain level where i can be doing those things as well and so can anyone who's listening to this because like to be honest uh when i was going through the google form and i was just like yeah da 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 da, da yeah everyone writes the same shit blah 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 and i just saw these two things i was just like what because like giving a tedx like giving like a ted talk and being featured by a certain publication or something his always been like on my bucket list because um i don't know like because um at least for me like ted i think the ted talk comes from my love for public speaking and all of that and performing in general the art being featured by some uh, magazines probably because i think the other three members of my family my mother my father and my sister have had some uh, coverage some media coverage about them and i'm sort of the only one left who hasn't so maybe maybe that <laughs> but but i just uh yeah other than fanboying extremely hard right now uh i just want to say that uh, i think that's a very very remarkable story and um more more so because it's 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 about things that are meaningful to you and it's about discussing ideas that you believe have changed you but also have have the potential to change uh, someone else for the better and um Yeah, I just think that that's a very real thing. So I, like this is like the first time I'm just sort of Yeah. But but yeah. No, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, go thank on. you. No, I, yeah. I was just saying like it it absolutely like like all of these things that I'm kind of talking about like I link them to each other, right? Like even this sort of work that you know I did like the website and stuff which isn't huge but was a mm-hmm. lot for me because i was learning a lot i was trying to make the most of like a shitty situation that i was in medically mm-hmm. temporarily and trying to look at the positives of that and being like okay how can this not just be like a blip how do i like do something cool with this and about what i've learned from this and that's kind of just what happened and um like about the 
what you were saying. Um, honestly, I like I haven't said this to anyone other than like family, but like I like the TEDx talk. I was so scared because I'm not mm-hmm. a public speaker. You can probably tell right now. Um, because I'm not looking at you. I can't look at you when I'm thinking, and I freak out when I feel like I'm being watched. But I was like, okay, everything in that whole experience was like me pushing myself kind of out of my comfort zone. Because I was like, you know, what else do I do? Like mm-hmm. the website thing. Um, a friend, you know, helped me with some of the coding and stuff. Cause I didn't know how to do it, but I learned a lot about that. Um, I. Uh, train like my own AI on the website, like very basic, oh. but small. At this point, very very this basic. <laughs> very basic. No, no, but just like it was a lot of new things for me, and uh-huh. it was. I mean, it was really tough, and like what you said about the publicity and stuff. Like, I was kind of shocked by that because I didn't sort of think it would. Mm-hmm. Reach something like that because I was like, okay, this is my thing. This is how I'm mm-hmm. making myself feel like a little bit better about the situation, trying to help other people who are far, far worse in terms mm-hmm. of care in Bombay, regardless of how they feel about um, other aspects of their life. Attitudes in society are not in their favor, and mm-hmm. it was cool. I mean. After Vogue, uh, the logical Indian picked it up. The UWC website picked it up. So I mean, it was a very like cliche sort of like, like, like you know how they? I don't know if you ever learned in primary school um, doing the PYP. I did like they taught us storyboarding where it's like this like mountain kind of thing, mm-hmm, like this, mm-hmm. um, like this you know parabola but upside mm-hmm. down and. Um, it's how a story should go, like an absolute low to like a high. Yeah, then like to a low. rising action climax. Then yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, so we did all that, and it was I was able to fit it that story very much into that narrative. I guess kind of because of my experience trying to document my life. I don't know, um, mm-hmm. and I mean that always appeals to other people, which is which is great and everything, but is not really why you know. Or not really mm-hmm. the point, and I got lucky in that sense because the reason I was doing that work was awareness, so it actually fit in really well. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't think it would have been any less meaningful if more people didn't know about it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if that makes you feel better about the family thing, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 definitely. I think. Uh, uh yeah i think uh i think just i i just think that um uh, yeah the idea of doing meaningful things because you want to do meaningful things is something that resonates with me because like for example um i talk a lot about this podcast on this podcast like i've talked a lot about my whole process of going about it but like the fact of the matter is uh, when I sort of open up my statistics for okay how many plays has this episode got or uh, how is this one doing how am I doing in general like the trend for a new podcast is uh, more or less uh, downward sloping in like the beginning because it's like your first episode is usually your best performing episode because everyone's like oh Keshav started a new thing uh, but then like as and when 
the newer episodes come in like the slope goes down then that's very disheartening um but like for, like i know that luckily for me i'm quite self aware of the fact that you know like this podcast isn't going to do well um uh, just like that and you sort of have to stick with it because um now um i started making youtube videos when i was very young like i was in i think 5th grade 4th grade i don't know i was i was making videos about how to uh, like fight uh, with like my brother on this bed in fact like oh, on the side <laughs> behind me and we were like performing wrestling moves on each other and um uh, then i made like a bunch of videos about me playing video games and me raging on video games there's like a video that my friends laugh a lot at maybe i'll show you someday uh, but like i'm just screaming <laughs> about how the world is not nice and and all of that and how my wifi speed is low and because of that i like shoot What? a bunch of people in watch dogs too like it's a whole so, thing so you were one of those kids yeah, yeah i was definitely one of those yeah. kids but uh, i think that uh, in that sort of process because um mm-hmm. i've uploaded videos on it on and off definitely but like from like fifth grade onwards to as recently as 2020 and my channel never really picked up and like i was just like there but i was doing it because of mm-hmm. like for the fun of it i was i wasn't getting like great views on anything like i think my best performing video right now is on like 900 views which is still fine but like um like it, it isn't doing great numbers for like in like an even slightly growing youtube channel so even though i've given up on like the youtube thing because i just feel like that's not for me right now video like video content in general but mm-hmm. that's something that i do sort of get with because i did it for the fun of it and um mm-hmm. now i can sort of learn from that experience of doing this for the fun of it because i'm talking to people like you like the sort of four people i've talked to before you like very interesting people mm-hmm. and i'm doing and i'm having meaningful conversations real conversations with real people doing something that i love and even though this is not working out right now i have experience of things not really working out for me so uh, i can sort of stick more with the process and i just think that uh, your sort of uh, way of approaching it in the sense that you know i was doing it for awareness so it so things like woke picking it up or or mm-hmm. some other uh, sort of entity picking it up uh, just sort of is like an added bonus not exactly the crux or like the, the main sort of focus yeah. of it is something that really speaks to me so yeah uh, good job yeah. that's all i could say to you but uh, but really that's yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving forward i'm oh, sorry i was such a fan boy right now moving forward no. uh, <laughs> earlier on we were talking about um your uh, like father being uh, from like the computer science side of it and everything mm-hmm. and your mom being an artist and um i think that uh, and like i think i wrote an, uh, i wrote a college essay on it that's why i think i have like a perspective to it i think a lot of the things I that i have a perspective too. on is because uh, i have a college essay uh, i've written college essays on it but um i think that um code and art and sort of all of these things like after a certain like on like the most fundamental level can be boiled down to us expressing something uh art can be like the expression of your emotions expression of your inspirations or whatever your uh, it, like whatever your mind uh, speaks to you at the time and code can be your expression of a solution to a certain problem that you've been given and all of that and um 
I just sort of as 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 a fellow expressive a person who believes in expression and all of that um I just sort of wanted uh, to talk to you about what has inspired you in your sort of journey of expression and sort of talking about things and that can be anywhere from actual like like paintings and stuff to um an Instagram feed right like that can be, it can literally mm-hmm. be anything so I know you're someone who takes a lot of inspiration from Frida Kahlo who's a Mexican mm-hmm. painter she'll tell us more about it guys I know <laughs> uh, and um, like all of that so yeah I just sort of wanted your uh, perspective on it yeah um uh, first of all I was like I was 100% listening to you but I was also like kind of thinking about my college essay because I'm wondering how many of us <laughs> wrote the same college essay <laughs> no just because I I had like it wasn't exactly the same but it was about art and programming which is the two sort of things that I wanted to pursue like design and programming and um it was about like which like which is true but um how sort of because of how I grew up I think of both art and um tech as tools that you can use to amplify people's voices your own voice other people's voices because mm-hmm. they have that scope and that scale um that you probably don't have if you're just sitting at home typing in a comment section like millions of others mm-hmm. but if you can code something if you can create something there's a pretty high chance that it's going to be unique and because of that it's going to stand out and you can use that in terms of impact you can use that to amplify the voices of the marginalized you can use that to um say something that you don't feel like is being heard in your personal life you know anything like that but going back to your question um yeah about inspiration so pretty much everyone in my immediate family is a creator in some way um so my mom's uh an artist photographer interior designer my dad's like an entrepreneur um my mom's sisters uh creators in different ways you know fashion production set mm-hmm. design stuff like that my dad's brother's also an entrepreneur and because of that i was kind of as i grew up i thought about creation as a solution to a lot of things um mm-hmm. i was kind of surrounded by art in that sense so i never got the idea that it was superior or inferior to other disciplines kind of that i think a mm-hmm. lot of other people did get especially in tradition like i come from a very unconventional like asian family in the sense that mm-hmm. like everyone creates more than you know they believe in like being rigid or strict and i'm i'm very privileged in mm-hmm. that sense but um i remember the first the, the first thing that actually inspired me to create myself um so like i said my mom is a artist so like a painter um specifically an acrylic painter and when i was a baby i would like tiptoe around her art because i always knew because i grew mm-hmm. up around that but i was uh, like i was like any kid right like oh crayon's picture great done did something mm-hmm. with my friends but when I was a toddler and we like we moved to India from the US which is where I was born. Um 
my mom started doing art classes at home art classes for kids so one on one acrylic painting sessions and most of the kids like fell in love with her just because mm-hmm. like oh like cool art teacher you know like oh this is fun and they were like around my age i think i was like 3 or 4 and they were a little bit older than me or around my age and they would like want to sit in her lap when she like painted and she would they would like want her full attention which is logical because it was their <laughs> class and um like i'm an only child so mm-hmm. maybe i don't know how much you understand but i'm quite territorial like i was quite territorial mm-hmm. of my mm-hmm. like my mom like i'm very close to my family and i was just like hello i hadn't even started school yet so the only friends i had were like family friends and i was mm-hmm. just like hello like look at me why are you yeah. suddenly not looking at me and i was just like okay you know what i want to paint as well and she was like yeah okay sure um <laughs> and you know she would set me up with a painting but i wanted attention really really badly <laughs> and every time she had a new student which was like multiple times a day or like not mm. a new student but like a change in student yeah i would start a new canvas just so that mm. she would have to sort of give me that <laughs> more attention of like oh this is how you draw it this is how you make your colors stuff like that so mm. i made so many artworks that were not that good but like i was for um <laughs> with the sole intention of like hey mom look at me when yeah. obviously she was still looking at me and because of that i kind of got into it you know i i started doing it more often at school i already knew how to do certain things that other kids were you know not introduced to before and mm-hmm. it was kind of like a hobby and then i don't did you do the igcscs yeah i do yeah so I decided to take IGCSE art and that was kind of a reality check where I was just like oh shit this can't just be fun and this just mm-hmm. can't this can't just be like playing around with mediums and like stuff like that and or like I'm the artsy one in my not really my friend group because I somehow attracted only art students but <laughs> um like I I was you know I was kind of yeah, known yeah. for that in like middle school and then I was just like oh shit like I'm not actually the, as good as I thought I was <laughs> and that's when I actually started like um I don't know sharpening my technical skills and stuff and then mm-hmm. I also took um IB high level visual arts which is I don't know how much you know about visual arts in the IB. I should probably explain it anyway because I'm not yeah. just talking to you. Um no. <laughs> but there's like the way that um other subjects have internal assessments so like reports that that are internally assessed in addition to the externally assessed examinations. Um visual arts has this thing called the comparative study where you study three different artists from like different cultural backgrounds different time periods stuff like that you study mm-hmm. their artwork and draw sort of inspiration into your own artwork and Frida Kahlo which you mm-hmm. brought up um she was one of mine and i don't really like she's an incredible artist you should look up some of her stuff I don't really vibe with the kind of art that she does that much in terms of the medium. Like she did a lot of oil paint. She was like, you know, alive a long time ago. And um was so I'm like into like I 
taught myself digital art recently because there's no instruction about it but that's a rant for another day <laughs> and like I like a lot more of those like colorful sort of pop art kind of things um but in terms of the themes like so she had an incredibly painful life like she had a ton of tragedy i guess that mm-hmm. um she did nothing to really deserve according to like records but i don't know what like <laughs> the whole ableist uh yeah. indian like part mm-hmm. of our history would say but um she was in a really bad bus accident when she was i think like like 17 18 something like that and mm-hmm. because of that she had like 30 something operations in her life and oh. she was like uh, she dealt with like infertility and like she was essentially disabled and she was bedridden for a lot of her life and stuff like that and like her husband cheated on her with her sister and like there was a lot of like little stuff oh, uh, like that some greek and, mythology um yeah it was like bad and she a fa- like something that she famously dealt with was chronic pain which is something that i dealt mm-hmm. with for a while as well after you know the injuries that inspired my whole like anti-ableism thing and that's what kind of attracted me to her apart from the fact that she's really famous and because she dealt with chronic pain for most of her life and instead of right like rightfully pitying herself or thinking about like why did this happen to me and how can i you know get people to not expect me to like do anything because i'm in pain and stuff like that she channeled that into her artwork and her artwork actually speaks even like obviously decades after about that journey for a lot of communities and you know she's also involved in like the Mexican revolution and stuff like that and it's actually really inspirational because she channeled a lot of pain into creation and tried to like mm-hmm. make an impact because of that and it's sad because she will never really know i guess the impact that mm-hmm. uh it, it currently still has but it does so that was a big part of like my ib visual arts journey and that's kind of why if i could have dinner with anyone in the world i would have dinner with her just to get her perspective on that because i feel like she mm-hmm. kind of started that in my mm-hmm. narrative of history which is obviously not accurate because i haven't done the hume series at ucsd <laughs> yet but yeah yeah i think yeah i mean uh drawing inspiration from uh, people that um, sort of come around in terms of like IB art I, like I don't really know a lot about it so thank you for explaining it but uh, yes. like IB visual arts does uh, like sort of facilitate that I guess um, of mm-hmm. learning from these people and like especially um, like for me I think like on my like one of my sticky notes that I have like on my laptop i don't have like actual sticky notes but one of my sticky notes on my laptop has like this this list of people that i am extremely fascinated by and like mm-hmm. it has uh, da vinci on it it has camus on it it has a bunch of these people that i want to learn more about and all of that mm-hmm. so yeah i think definitely drawing inspiration from these people and sort of being people who believe in expression through sort mm-hmm. of not relating to them necessarily but just relating to their 
sort of will to express um is 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 something that uh can be taken uh from taken a lot from i just wanted mm-hmm. to uh, uh, like lastly because i think uh, we'll we'll wrap this up uh, soon mm-hmm. the last thing that I, i wanted to talk to you about in terms of being someone who um express who believes in expression i think um you come from a very exciting sort of concoction of uh countries and places you're also someone who understands five different languages so um sort of how does that facilitate so like just for reference guys like i'm sure you like you'll talk uh, about it but like um so he has uh, studied in italy uh, she was in uh, india i think you were in some other country as well like i'm forgetting right now yeah i was born in like the us so i was there for a bit yeah, yeah. so like yeah. yeah so the us italy um uh, india now these are like three very culturally different places um mm-hmm. so that and like five different languages right so you're clearly someone who um has like um i wouldn't say um uh, unique because i think a lot of people who are uh, there are a lot of multilingual multicultural people there but you definitely have like a more rounded uh, perspective um on things and mm-hmm. also um i think being someone who can understand all of that in the sense that you mm-hmm. can understand what oh uh, like i i don't mean to generalize it leave for the entirety of europe but you understand what a certain european inspi- uh, european inspiration mm-hmm. would be or an, an american inspiration would be or an indian inspiration would be so i think mm-hmm. that in many ways also ties to your uh, sort of um connection with empathy because um mm-hmm. like that's something that that comes into play right empathy is about um mm-hmm. understanding people and uh, and trying to relate to them and real and putting yourself in their shoes and all of that and for people who come from such a like a unique sort of uh, background um that i'm not saying that will be easier for you but i definitely think you'll have a richer experience doing that and yeah, yeah sort of now i'm going to throw it over to you Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. So, um for context, I was born in the US. We moved when I was quite little, kind of partially because my mm-hmm. dad worked there for a while after we officially moved. And then I I grew up in India and in Bombay. Um I grew up in India and in Bombay and then when I was like 16, 17, I went to boarding school in Italy. So, I do kind of have that those three continents but it it is primarily India and mm-hmm. that's kind of where my roots are because you know I am Indian at the end of the day in terms of like culture ethnicity stuff like that but it definitely did so the school that I went to um it had like 150 students from 70 different nationalities mm-hmm. so a big part of living there was um like representing where you're from representing mm-hmm. your culture representing um how that impacted who you are and mm-hmm. i love and because of that it was kind of a lot it was pretty left wing um it was a lot about activism and speaking up for what's right and stuff like that which is why yeah. i really love the school and i applied to the school which i know you also applied to <laughs> um and got in it's it's still okay no man i'm going to talk about it like to you another time but um no so 
well i saw the merits of that and it i think it's primarily a positive thing um i remember this one day when we were like checking out math textbooks i think and Love it had like we had this spreadsheet <laughs> that we had to like that our teacher was filling in like the math textbook number our name and the country we were from and it was like oh number like 22 so ikutari um india right and i remember just thinking to myself like why are you categorizing us so heavily mm-hmm. like we're already mm-hmm. here we're already from these different countries you've already made this like deliberately diverse group and yeah. it like like this heavily like reminding us of where we're from first of all not necessary second of all mm-hmm. um is a lot of pressure because if you're the only one or like the only two or would have been the only three if you had come <laughs> um person from your country in like a group of like 70 80 90 students it's a lot of pressure to either conform to certain stereotypes or go against them right like mm-hmm. oh once i mentioned like Actually, I was talking about the same math test that I was talking about earlier. I was like, "Yeah, it didn't go as well as I thought. I think I'll, I'll like, I don't think I'm gonna get, you know, a seven, whatever, whatever." And someone was just like, "Are you sure you're Indian?" And I was just like, first of all, personally insulted because I'm good at math. Second of all, I was just like, I feel like this is a byproduct of this confusion between conforming to stereotypes and not conforming to stereotypes. and mm-hmm. that definitely um helped me understand this whole multicultural kind of experience a lot more um especially mm-hmm. because like attitude to school in that sort of an environment right where like a lot of like let's face it a lot of the asian kids uh south asian included um mm-hmm. were more driven towards school and you know there were yeah um majorities from other nationalities who were like oh well so and so is like being like an ivj so or so and so is like like why didn't they come for this event like they were just busy, busy partying isn't that not what the school is about and i mean it would be very easy to like polarize yourself on one side of that you know and just be like Oh yeah no I totally agree or like no you're wrong like school is everything or something like that and sort of live like interacting with people from a few different countries made me like you hear me yeah yeah okay sorry i'm always like wondering about my internet yeah interacting with people from uh these different countries sort of made me realize like that that sort of thinking is like not the most mature thing just because if you're celebrating diversity it shouldn't just be about how you look or your religion or like what you wear for a festival or you know like something like that it should mm-hmm. be about what you prioritize about what your family prioritizes about the background that you come from right that one of the reasons why i decided to move abroad was i was like okay i'm a i'm a good student but i don't love this academic pressure I don't mm-hmm. think that's what I want my teen years to just be about and so I'm just going to like give this a go I applied for this program 3 days before the 
deadline um completely like ignored my IGCSE art final that was due that <laughs> weekend because I flew to Dubai for selections and I was just like I'm so screwed if this doesn't work <laughs> out it did thankfully and yeah that's I I feel like that's kind of something that I learned and sort of these these one or two things like what I said about the whole math spreadsheet thing and this whole like ivy traces thing were like levels of thinking that I don't think I would have had 3 years ago I don't know mm-hmm. um because I mean I don't think my life was sheltered but it was a lot less out there than it has been in the last 2 years and I do think I'm pretty privileged to be able to, be able to say mm-hmm. that I mean mm-hmm. um <laughs> you know okay so for context um So Keshav and me started talking a couple of days before one of my philosophy exams and in philosophy paper 3 in the IB you have to analyze your experience of philosophy and um your experience of doing philosophy the nature function meaning and methodology <laughs> of philosophy and um you have to compare it to this unseen text uh, about someone also discussing their own experience of it and something that i was writing about was about how philosophy enriches my experiences and my conversations and i actually brought up a conversation that we had um in that I which you were really proud to, you were really proud to hear <laughs> that's why i um, made that moment yeah and i <laughs> like i did well um so <laughs> yeah that that was that was pretty cool but yeah my point is just like the way that i was talking about philosophy enriching how i think i think that sort of multi or like i guess multicultural or like international experience equally shaped the way i think and the way i understand things and the different sides i see of things and like the amount of gray between like black and white mm-hmm. and yeah i know i think i'm very privileged to be able to say that and i definitely agree with you on that yeah <laughs> i think that uh, like as i sort of uh, said that really uh, as someone who is uh, very acknowledging of uh, her privilege and also someone who uh, is empathetic i think that mm-hmm. um, i think that it 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 really sort of reflects itself in um, your sort of world view and uh, how you choose to express what you choose to express how you make certain decisions mm-hmm. and i think like that is definitely something that's more general for everyone but um really mm-hmm. i think um it's very refreshing to sort of come across uh, people who aren't very sort of not i wouldn't say narrow minded but definitely not uh, realizing that we're in we're we're often in a bubble right and yeah. um looking outside of that bubble uh, can be hard for me i spent my past 6 years in a boarding school that is very very culturally rich very tradition oriented and very sort of mm-hmm. um community specific and while all of that is great i think it can often also lead to us thinking of ourselves in like this bubble where um our school is like our small world and nothing really exists outside of that like this mm-hmm. is something that i told my juniors a lot in school that the only people who kind of do well in 
school uh, are uh, especially in our case where people who are aware of the fact that there is a life outside of this and uh, so you can be you can choose to be as mean you can choose to be as pressurizing as antagonizing as competitive as you can be here but out there you're going into a world that needs empathy and you're going into a world that needs a little bit less of that pressure that needs some people who can sort of take a moment to calm down and uh, like look at the sunlight coming in listen to their mom cooking and their dad's watching tv like that that sort of uh, needs to happen but yeah i think that definitely shines through definitely. and uh, like yeah that definitely shines through and i think in the sort mm-hmm. of 1 hour and 15 minutes that we've uh, <laughs> uh, had this conversation for uh, what really definitely uh, shown through was the fact that um we can go on talking about this for days and days and days and there is definitely yeah. going to be something that can be learned from each of those days but really i think uh, after this conversation i the one message i'd leave everyone who's listening to this with would be to have more conversations because um if i uh, hadn't like had this conversation with zoe today i wouldn't be leaving uh, this sort of episode feeling uh whatever i wish to do or whatever is on my bucket list is possible or uh feeling a certain way oh. about philosophy or talking about expression so um like i don't mean to uh, like i my intention isn't to flatter all the guests that come out of this podcast or like massage their <laughs> uh, egos because i feel like that's like mo- most most of the guests that come on here are quite self confident people because like they're the first people to fill in the google form and everything but i definitely think that um this conversation has been very very sort of interesting for me so thank you so much for that zoe uh, are there sort of any last thingies that you want to leave the listeners with um yeah first of all i am not this extremely self confident person you asked me to fill the form <laughs> second of all um yeah no i absolutely agree um just because in so many things that you're saying um despite the internet problems and despite the fact that you've been frozen <laughs> on my screen for the past 15 minutes and that's why i'm not looking at you um despite all of that like there are so many things in this conversation that i feel like if we want recording this for um you know your podcast which is a fixed um length and stuff there's so many things that i would you know cut in and like elaborate on or like when you talk about um how you would advise your juniors at school about this like about your school being like a bubble um like that just reminds me of how uh i realized that when i was in international community like realizing that i had grown up in a similar bubble mm-hmm. as in that bubble being the country i grew up in just because i realized you know the realities of being like a woman of color while like we're all mm-hmm. homo- pretty almost homogeneously brown here you know mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. that's um like we're kind of lucky about that cuz you know mm-hmm. the odds are not stacked in our favor everywhere in the world and stuff like that so My point is just that I really appreciate conversations where while I'm listening to the other person speaking I am thinking about all the things that I could say in response and bring up and I feel like those are conversations that help you move forward and 
you know, actually think about things. And I think that's great. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, I think um, this. Uh, thank you all uh, for listening to this episode. Um, I am going to be uploading this on a Saturday, obviously. And uh, if you want to be the next amazing person on this podcast, <laughs> please fill in that stupid form that none of you are filling up right now. I really need people to talk to. I'm kidding. I'm not that desperate. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, fill that form. uh love to have you guys on the podcast love to have ikzoi on the podcast today uh i will see you all next week uh thank you so much bye bye